Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Last Sunday, I, uh, I told you that the Lord had, had dealt with me very, very emphatically, very strongly, uh, the week, just the week before, that he wants to take us as a church uh, into a deeper dimension in him. And of course, generally, we always know that's true, but very, uh, very emphatically, he said that to me, and that he wants us to be a place where he can, where he can manifest his power and glory without any limitation. He wants us to take all the breaks off and one of the breaks is lack of desire to really have a hunger because uh, church as we, as we know it, having church, you know, isn't, it isn't designed to work any other way. Our assembling together when he calls us together wasn't designed to be in our own strength or in just human ability in, in, in other words, it, it, our assembling together is not supposed to be a natural thing. It's supposed to be a supernatural thing. And God's presence is to be uh, in it and through it and around it, all about it. God, want, God wants to manifest his presence among us when we come together. Amen? And like I said, we have to have a hunger for it. We have to have a hunger for a meaningful experience and encounter with God Every time we come together. Now, I know as human beings, sometimes that's difficult to stay that consistent. It is because we have natural lives that we live and we have a lot of things going on and a lot of things uh, that are uh, pressing on us. And, and, and it's easy just to come in, uh, you know, eager to come to church, but not really expecting to encounter God in a profound way. And when I say a profound way, I don't necessarily mean in a, uh, in, in, in a, uh, uh, extraordinary way, out of bounds way or, or, uh, you know, anything like that. But God is, in other words, not in a spectacular way always, but in a supernatural way. And when you have an encounter with God, it's always supernatural. And we should hunger to have something like that every time we come. Because you hear me say this, I've been saying it for years. When I open the service on Sunday morning, I usually say, we can go out of here today changed. God wants to do something in all of our lives today. And that's not just a saying. It's not just something that, that sounds good. Every time we come to church, we ought to be ready to be changed. God wants to do something in every person tonight. It really is a shame for people to come to church and God not do in them, them not be open for God to do and speak and change them. And they're just not open to it and they go out the same way they came in. That's really a shame. And not on God's side so much, but on that person's side. Because that person is going to miss so much. 
And when God is trying to change you and reach your heart and you don't respond and you're, because you're not hungry or because you have you know, resistance or you're this or you're that, when you don't respond to God trying to reach you, you can lose your whole future. You can, you can start making decisions that aren't right. You can start going down the wrong path that at first you won't even realize you're getting off. But you've, you've, you've not responded to what God's wanting to do. We ought to be hungry for God to do what he wants to do in us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I said this. That does not mean we come expecting any particular emotion demonstration or manifestation of the spirit because all of those things flow out from and come from a meaningful encounter with God. That's where the gifts of the spirit come from. They come out of that. I've never had a gift of the spirit operate through me when I wasn't drawing on God. Well, very rarely, I'll put it that way. In other words, it was when my heart was turned toward him and I, was, and I was experiencing him in some measure, that's when the Spirit of God began to operate. And so as an ordinary thing, that's the way that works. So we don't come seeking those things, we come seeking God. What was the song that we sang, was it tonight or, or today when we seek, yeah, when we seek his face, his glory fills this place. It's not, it's not so much, it's not about seeking the glory, it's about seeking him. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so uh, we talked last week that there must be a deep hunger in our heart for the word. Let me, let me, can I back up just a little bit to this morning and, 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 uh, and address something that I was talking about at the end of the service so that I don't uh, mis, mis, uh, misrepresent what I'm trying to say. Sometimes, you know, you get through saying something, you think, well, I could have said that better. When I was talking about the culture that exists in a church, <clears throat> we don't have a rodeo culture when we come to church. You see, there's no bales of hay on the platform, you know. Uh, we, we don't have, uh, you know, there's different things, activities in life and different things, and they have their own culture. Well, church has its own culture. And we shouldn't be ashamed of that. The presence of God creates its own culture. The things of God creates its own culture. And that's why church, the traditional, that might not be the best word, but, but the, the right, I put it this way, the right atmosphere in church comes from that experience with God. That's what shapes it. That's what creates it. And it's, it's not that I'm, I, when I say these things, it's not that I'm against. I'm not, I'm not fighting anything so much as I am trying to get people to see what really goes on. When churches, it's, it's one thing to update your music and it's one thing to dress, you know, in a way that's pretty consistent, you know, with, with, with people in general. Uh, it's another thing when churches want to do everything to not be church. 
You, if you go and search across the country and in, in most, and like I said, this trend that's going on in the modern church, it's not just in, in, in formerly spirit-filled churches that are backsliding. It's in Baptist and Methodist across all denominations. It's this t- uh, tendency uh, to make church look like the world. And if, you, and if you search church websites very often in some of their, their discussions, you know, about what their church about, they'll, they'll say, you know, this isn't, this isn't like ordinary church. This isn't like going to church. Well, what's it supposed to be like? Going to church or, or uh, being called together and assembling together because God has called us together as his people to worship him and, and to hear from him and to minister to him and be ministered by him. That creates a, a, a culture, and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. So many churches are doing everything they can to make their services not look like church. This is, it's the unchurched church. Well, what in the world would that be? It would be a worldly church. <laughs> Want to make the world comfortable? You know, when I was talking this morning about when I first got back in the fellowship of the Lord, I didn't want to, before that happened, I did not want to go to church. I, I was raised in church, but for several years I had, I was very backslidden as a teenager and very rebellious, probably from about four, 13 or 14 on, became more and more and more rebellious. And by the time I left home, I, I was very uh hardened against God. I didn't want God in my life. I didn't want anything to do with him. And for the next uh, couple of years after that, <clears throat> excuse me, I really pursued uh, an, uh, an sort of a, not an atheistic point of view, but I wanted to wash all religion and God out of my life. <clears throat> because of that, <clears throat> the idea of going to church just did not appeal to me. I knew what that was about. I didn't want anything to do with the culture that existed in church. I didn't want anything to do with the atmosphere, the tone, what went on in church. It was of no interest to me. And when I got back in fellowship of the Lord, I didn't get back in fellowship of the Lord in church. I got back in fellowship of the Lord in a motel room in Brooksville, Florida. And because of my rebellion, it took several months for me to even warm up to the notion of going to church. This happened in late August, early September of of 1972, and I didn't start going to church again, and I'm not sure about the time. I think it was, it might have been the very tail end of, of 72, but it seems like it was more like the very early part of 73. So for weeks there, I didn't go to church. But the more I got into the word, the more I realized that, God set up the church, <laughs> that the church isn't of man, the church is of God. And if you're going to love God and go on with God, you, gotta, you have to participate in what he, what he has endorsed. And so uh, reluctantly, I went to church. And like I said, I was, a, I was a long-haired, you know, hippie and dressed in wild clothes, you know. Somebody said, you know, that hippie lifestyle, he, some comedian said, it's like an entire generation of Americans dressed up like Indians, and that's kind of what we looked like. We had this tribal garb on, you know, and the headbands and feathers and all this nonsense, you know. And uh, that's how I came to church. 
And I, and I was really reluctant because I thought, you know, they're not, they're not going to receive me. I'm going to get all of this pushback. People are going to laugh at me. But I just determined I'm going to go. And I didn't want to go. And when I got there, like I said, it was a, it was a, a southern conservative Pentecostal church. And you're talking about square. It was sharp-edged square. <laughs> and Michelle, you, you remember the, the, the convention book, the convention song book the Church of God had? Can you think of any songs out of that right off, you and Angela? Think of, think of a song from the, con, con, from the convention book you liked. I don't remember that one. Looking for a city. Can you sing that for us? Yeah, sing it. I want you to sing it. I want you people to hear what we sing. City. Yeah, y'all get together now, do you? Come on. Millions. Never say goodbye. See our Savior. And and our loved ones too. See, we sang a few. Remember that? We sang the main thing and then there was another group singing like a, like a half a verse behind. Go ahead. Come on, Holy Spirit. All our hopes renew. So we, we would sing these corny songs. Now, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening to Elton John, she said, because I told her about that <laughs> concert I'd gone to. Southern rock had just been born, and, and I was really into southern rock, you know, and, and I was into psychedelic rock, and I was into folk rock, and so I'm listening to, you know, to, to uh, uh, Neil Young, and I'm listening to Jimi Hendrix. Well, I think he died then, you know, but I'm listening to all this stuff, you know, and... and uh, Pink Floyd and Elton John and Emerson Lake and Palmer and Yes and, and the Beatles and, and that's what I fed on. That was the music I liked. What was going on in church was not the music I liked. It wasn't my style. But the very first time I went to church, my, I fell in love with that atmosphere. And it wasn't anything. We were singing, looking for a city where we'll never die. I'm patting my feet, you know. Huh? On one and three, is that right? Yeah. And, and I'd go home, I'd go home, and, and I'm still listening to, to, to uh, my, my crazy music, my psychedelic music, but I come to church and I'm right in there with that square stuff, you know, because... There was something about the presence of God that, that, what was wrong? What was wrong with me when I didn't, what was wrong when I didn't go to church and hated the idea of church? Was there something wrong with church? There was something wrong with me. There are people who don't want to go to church and they resist going to church and it's churchy and it's old fashioned and they don't want anything to, the problem is not here or the problem is, is in their heart. And it was the presence of God in that church. And, it was, and I'm not talking about necessarily the glory of God every service. I'm not talking about falling in the floor and the cloud coming in and, and, and all of that. I'm just talking about ordinary routine church service. There was a presence of God there that my heart connected to, even though my natural thinking didn't think it was all that cool. So what I'm saying is it, it, we should not 
the church should not try to be not the church. What are we going to be if we're not the church? Amen. So that leads me into to what the, that I had talked about last week. There must, be, there must be a deep hunger in our hearts for the word first. For the word of God first. Uh, in the, the thing that is also common, and I, I think I mentioned this last week, in, 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 a, in, a, in the modern church movement today, there is a definite and distinct, clear move to water down the absolutes of the word of God. If you go to most churches' websites today that, that have adapted this and adopted this, you know, this style, this, you know, worldly looking and worldly sounding style, if you go back and go to, go to their websites, you'll find that when you, when you click on what that church is about and what they believe, you will be amazed at all of the platitudes you read. All the sugarly, sort of sugar, uh, sugary sounding generalities. Well, we just believe in, in loving people. And we believe in, in, in uh, having a, a, a fulfilled life. Well, well, we do. But you won't find doctrine. You will not find doc, actual doctrine in most of these churches. You look and you can't find it. Well, we believe that God wants to bless us and we believe in community and we believe in sharing with, with, with our faith with us. That's wonderful. We all believe that. But what about the virgin birth? What about the deity of the, of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost? What about what we believe about the word as being the inerrant, absolute, final authority in our, word, in our lives? All of those kinds of statements are being pushed away and supplanted that by all of these, what I, like I referred to, these, these, these sugarly platitudes and sayings that are okay. But the, the, what is going on is nobody wants to have a doctrine that anybody will be offended by. They just want to have everything nice and cozy and oozy goozy and and uh, but let's not let's not be distinct about anything. One one church. This was several years ago when I was looking at all of this and kind of you know discovering what was going. It was a, a a word of faith church or it had been a rain pastor by Rama guy and he and in their statement of faith it said we're not really sure what we believe. And we, we try not to have absolutes about anything because we're still in the, in the journey. That's a good word. We're in the journey of discovering what we believe. And I'm thinking, and you have a church? There is a watering down of the word of God. And like I said, there's often no definite biblical and Bible beliefs that you can find. I've noticed this, that when people start watering down their doctrine, I'm talking about now, I'm talking about in the, in the, in the full gospel or Pentecost or word of faith camp. You know what is the very first thing that gets watered down? Well, it's the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but it's more specific than that. 
speaking in tongues. I just looked at a website today of somebody we love. That is, he's a good man, a good pastor. I'm not, I, he really is. I just thought, well, let me see. Now, he's got a, he's got a, he's there. He and his wife are solid Holy Ghost. They're Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. And, but they've also kind of uh, following this, you know, this uh, laid back style. And, 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 and that's just an indicator. You understand what I'm saying? So I went and here's this church that is absolutely pastored by Holy Ghost pastors. And when it comes to their statement of faith, they believe in the, in the baptism with the Holy Spirit with evidence subsequent to salvation. Evidence, what evidence? The, the, the classic Pentecostal definition of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking with other tongues. Because when they were all filled, they began to speak with the Spirit. That's how, in, at Cornelius' house, that's how the apostles from Jerusalem knew that they'd been filled with the Spirit because they heard them speak with other tongues. Am I telling you the truth? And I was shocked today that this church says in their core doctrine on their website, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence and subsequent salvation. They left out the evidence. Listen, church, when we, get, when we start becoming ashamed, anything that we are ashamed of and we start backing off from in our presentation, it won't be very long before we lose the experience altogether. And it's been my experience that churches that, that, that uh, spirit-filled churches, the first thing they don't want to put on their website or advertise to anybody is that they speak with tongues. And I, know, and I know the philosophy is, well, you know, uh, we want to get people here. You want to get people here, that's right. But you cannot, you cannot be ashamed of a Bible truth and a Bible experience and expect people to follow you in that experience. Amen. My ancestors, because my family... Uh, came into Pentecost in the early 1900s. My parents' generation and my, my, my natural ancestors paid a heavy price for what came mainstream back in the 1960s when, when the charismatic renewal hit and people of all denominations began to speak with other tongues. Tell you what, people paid a price for that the founders of our particular Pentecostal denomination, the Church of God, were, and this is not, I'm not talking figuratively, they were literally tarred and feathered and run out of, of, of Tennessee, North Carolina, and North Georgia. The founders of, of the movement that became the Church of God. The, the hillbillies and the, and the woods, backwoods people back there that were steeped in, in tradition they show the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues was absolutely something that drove them insane. They didn't want anything to do with it and they actually tarred and feathered these, these men. You know what tarring and feathering is? It can kill you. 
their, their homes and their little meeting places were burned to the ground. And yet we don't want to offend anybody. Well, praise the Lord. It's, we need to stick with the word. We need, we need, we need to, to hunger for everything God has and not be ashamed of it. Amen. If we're going to go deeper in God, we're not going to go deeper in God by, being, by backing off of anything. Amen. I talked about true holiness last week in one of the services, maybe Sunday night. True holiness is not found in, in rules and regulations. True holiness, really what is true holiness is pleasing God. Walking and living your life in a way that is fully pleasing. Not pleasing you and what you think God wants. But having your heart so hungry for him that you don't want anything in your life that he is the least bit displeased with. You don't want anything grieving your spirit. You don't want anything that's, you don't want anything but to be between you and the Father. You just want to be able to come in God's, in, in God's presence and, and know that there, there's nothing that he's asked of you that you're not doing. There's nothing he's asked you to lay aside that you're wanting to hold on to. There's nothing that, that, that he wants you to do that you're refusing to do. That you love him so much that you don't want to, you don't want to offend or, or, or uh, quench God's presence in your life in any way. That's holiness. Amen. Our church focused, you know, in time, I don't know how it probably happened gradually, but in time it came to be focused on, on all these rules and regulations. And, and uh, uh, when you get over into that, you get, it, you get into a, a legalistic type environment where everybody's checking up on each other and everybody's judging each other's hemlines and sleeve lines and, and hairline and all those things that they used to do. You, you think it's funny, but it really, it really was what went on. And... Uh, and, and you lose sight of, of, of just letting each person seek after God. And you know what? God's the same. If you're hungry for God and you're seeking for God, you're not going to be doing stuff that you ought not do. And, and you, when I say let each person seek God on their own instead of, of laying down rules and regulations, but when we all seek God, he's, he's the same God. He's not the different God for each one of us. He's going to lead us all in the same line. Same direction. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We must have a deep, deep hunger in our, in our life to know him, to really know God, not just know about him, but experience him in our daily lives, personally and intimately. We, we must have a deep hunger in our heart to know the Holy Ghost, to know the Holy Spirit, how he moves. Learn how the Spirit moves so that when you come to service, you know what God's doing. You know what his plan is. If, 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 if you are really seeking God and you begin to learn the ways of the Spirit, you won't be doing things in church that's contrary to the flow of, of, of what he's doing. If the Spirit's moving in this direction, you'll know it and you'll flow with it. 
Have you ever been in a, in a service? Well, I know you have. <laughs> You've been in a service where God was moving in such a marvelous way. And maybe somebody got up and said something that just quenched the whole move of the Spirit. You've experienced that. And you think, oh, man. And it was like the Holy Spirit, like a dove, just flew away. And the whole service was left flat. Well, you know, we have, we have grace for one another. We love one another. Nobody's throwing anybody out. We know when that happens. And we say, well, you know, another service bites the dust, you know. <laughs> so we don't get mad about it. We don't get upset about it. But we should be growing so that we don't do things like that. Learn the way of the Spirit. Have a desire. I want to I be able to, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Get in the habit of, if you don't know, get into the habit of coming to church and saying, now, Lord, teach me. As the, as the service flows one way and another way and as the Spirit of God takes us into different directions, learn, learn to how that witnesses with your spirit so that you get to the place that you're just, you're there. You're just, you're just in that flow when you come to church. God wants us to be that way. Amen. And, it, and it's something we all have to grow in. Learn to cooperate with him in a service, not, not re, uh, uh, resist him. In order for God to do what he wants to do, we have to cooperate, all of us. And it's not up to just a few people to figure out what the spirit is doing and wants to do and cooperate with it. If, if you, might, you might not be, it might not be the spirit's plan for you to have a, a uh, visible outward role, you know, in, in doing something in the congregation. It might not be the Spirit's will for you to do anything but just to enjoy the presence of God. But you have to, you have to be yielded to him. And that, that's, a, that's a, uh, a real thing. It's not... It's, it's, it's not being yielded to God is not the absence of, of animosity to God. And, it, and it's not just the absence of resisting him, it's actively yielding. Am I making any sense? I don't, I don't know if I am to myself, but uh, actively yielding to the spirit of God when God is moving among us. Get in the habit of being a participant right there in your seat. You, it doesn't mean you're going to be on the platform or you're going to be in the aisle or anything, but right there in, your, in, in the quietness of your seat, get in the habit of being yielded to what God's doing and sensitive to what the Spirit of God wants to do in a service. And one, and one good way of doing that is that just always come into church with, a, with a, an attitude of consecration. God, I consecrate my... I don't, I don't know. I, you might come to church with so much confusion in your mind because of things that are going on, just things just bombarding your mind. Hey, I do too sometimes. I have to, I have to put down things that come against my mind in order to come to church and, and, and have God do what he wants to do. So, you know, it's don't, nobody's raining on your parade. This is, this is life. But have a, have a desire to come in and say, God, I'm not really sure. I, I, I feel like, you know, just a, a backslidden turkey. 
I don't feel like I can sense your presence, but I want to, God. And I, I just, I purpose in my heart, I dedicate my heart. Father, you have your way in my life. Open my eyes, enlighten me, correct me, yank me around, straighten me out, do whatever you want to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. Well, Acts chapter 1. Now, I won't go much longer here. Really. Acts chapter, you've heard that before. Acts chapter 1. Now, it says that in verse number 4, Jesus had been raised from the dead, and it talks about in verse 3 that for 40 days he was among them, presenting himself alive, many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them during this 40 days, he commanded them not to wait or not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me. And because in in John uh, chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus talked a lot before he went to the cross. Those were in the last hours, right before he went to the cross, maybe the last few days. He talked extensively about the Holy Spirit, how I'm gonna go away, how how be it, when the Holy Spirit has come, you know. And and so he said, uh, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now they had to have called, recalled to mind this, it, it had to have prompted, when Jesus said that, it had to have prompted them uh, to uh, think about what John the Baptist said. He said, there's one coming after me who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, did they know what that meant? They knew what the fire meant in the Old Testament. It meant God's power. Fire would fall out of heaven and whew, So I think they had an understanding that this was not going to be a subtle experience. It was going to be something dramatic. Jesus, John the Baptist said, he will, the one coming after me, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So when Jesus said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, they probably thought, yeah, and fire. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There is not one reference in the Old Testament. uh, Well, there there is a reference to, to speaking in stammering lips in another tongue in uh, Joel's uh, writings, but as far as as it being a a main theme, you know that the Bible scholars in in their day uh, were looking for. They weren't looking for anything. I'm sure they didn't even know what that meant. And so the disciples, I, I don't know what they were expecting, but we we don't really have any evidence to to know that they were expecting anything in particular. They understood. They, they it's likely they didn't understand anything about what was going to happen. But it says, you know, that uh, the angel, uh, Jesus was sending in the heaven and the, and the angel said, you know, why are you gazing up here? Verse 12 says, they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, 
which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went into an upper room where they were staying, and it lists all of them. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They were praying in earnest prayer for 10 days. And they were in one place and in one accord. And so they had this 10-day prayer meeting. Sometimes it takes separating yourself from, from ordinary things in order to get into the presence of God. In order to experience what God has for you on the next level, it, it, it most often requires unusual consecration. And when I say unusual, I say, in, in other words, not just, Lord bless me, but really seeking God's will and, and blessing in your life. That's, that's often a crucial requirement to go to, to the next place God has for you. So for 10 days, they were in, in intense prayer and, uh, and supplication. And uh, it says on the day of Pentecost, that was 10 days later, when it had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What were they doing? They were in prayer. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If, if I understand looking at the big picture, they didn't... When these divided tongues as a fire, this, this rushing, this sound of a rushing mighty wind just came in and filled the whole house. You could hear it. Probably sounded like a tornado or a, you know, a, a windstorm. You've been out when you've heard the, the wind you know, whistling through the trees and the sound that it makes. Well, it came into the, into the place where they, were, where they were assembled. I'm sure that got their attention. And then it says that while this was happening and they're looking around, that they saw a, 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 a flame, a big flame, and then little tongues of fire, small elements of flame being divided from that main source and one of them resting on each one of them. And they saw that and they, nobody coached them. Nobody said, okay, open your mouth and say, ba 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 Nobody did that. They just suddenly found themselves speaking in other tongues. That, that kind of, of, of thing happening, taking, would you say God took them to another level that day? He took them deeper, didn't he? But you notice it happened that fast. And it happened without any warning. Suddenly, suddenly, a sound from heaven. Suddenly, these tongues appeared. Suddenly, they began to speak with other tongues. As a church, we have to be so hungry for God and we can get so hungry for God that we can have some suddenlies. How many of you want some suddenlies? Oh, glory to God. Where God just moves and we leave here going, glory to God. You just, that the atmosphere is so charged with the power of God that you just sort of get up and just tiptoe out because you don't want to disturb that holy presence. 
Praise God. He wants us to take us. He wants to take us to that. But it, it requires this hunger I'm talking about, this expectation. Hallelujah. I said last week, one, being in one accord is not about agreeing on everything. Only I miss, I wrote it down here wrong. This is not what the Lord said. I, I said last week, one accord is not about agreeing on everything. It's about no longer caring about what you disagree on. I went back today and looked at my note and I copied that wrong. That's, that's really not exactly what the Spirit of God said. He said, being in one accord, or one accord is not about agreeing on everything. It's about no, uh, it's about, uh, no longer being concerned about what you disagree. Didn't say don't care about what you disagree about. It's no longer being concerned about it. There's a difference. Yes, we have things that we're going to differ on. And we have, we have you know, we're, we're all adults, you know, and, and the, the adults in the room are. And, and we, we're going to have differences of opinion. We're not trying to, to, the church isn't some kind of a mind control organization. You know, this isn't the, uh, what's that cult thing that, no, the what? Scientology, this isn't the church of Scientology where you get your mind washed, you know, uh, brainwashed, all thinking the same thing, you know. Like she said, we're not going to be the Stepford church, you know. <laughs> because we're, we're all, we're, we're all, we all independently know the Lord. We all have the Holy Ghost. And, and because all of us are on different levels, we're going to perceive things that are different. And you can, you can still, you know, believe what you want to believe. But being in one accord is not being concerned about it. It's not, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it my way. And if I can't have it my way, I'm just going to pout about it. Or be mad about it or whatever. Or, or you know, that's what submission really is. Submission is, submission, the Bible talks about submitting to one another. Most people have, have never submitted because what they think submission is, is agreement. I've had people come up and say, Pastor, I just want you to know, I might have preached on something real strong, they'll come after church. I want you to know, Pastor, I, I'm in agreement with you. Well, that's wonderful, but that's not submission. That's agreement. It's when you don't agree with me when you don't agree with me or with your brother and you are willing to lay down and, and, and put your interpretation and put your desire and what you believe aside and just go along because, you're, because you love God enough that you're not going to make an issue, that is submission. So what a lot of people call submission is agreement and and when the opportunity comes for real submission, they never do. Well, pastor, I'm with you most of the time. You know, I'm behind you and I'm, I'm before you and I believe in you and you never have any problem out of me and I just think you're wonderful. But this is one time. Yeah, this was one time you had an opportunity to submit and you wouldn't do it. It's the truth. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Submitting to one another. I have to submit too. It's not just for everybody except me. I have to submit too. Now, I have, a, I have a responsibility to uphold what the Lord says, 
But I've also learned in, in nearly 40 years of ministry that there's more than one way to get to a, to, to a destination. We don't all have to go the same way. And I, and I, and I, I let people do things in, in the departments in the church. I don't particularly think it's the best way to do it. I'd do it differently. But you know what? As long as we're getting to the same outcome and getting to the same, I don't have to have my way. I don't have to have my way in the youth department. I don't have to have my way in the music department. I don't have to have my way everywhere. Now, there's some core things that we can't, that we can't uh, 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 you know, we can't, thank you, <laughs> compromise. What a Mueller moment here, I guess. <laughs> there, there, you know, we're not going to compromise the things that are essential, but we all have to be willing to ebb and flow and, and consider our brother and our sister. And, and, and sometimes it's just not that doggone important. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Some, well, praise the Lord. I'm going to go there. Let's, let's, let's end with this. I've been going on long enough. It's eight o'clock, praise the Lord. And we started at five, isn't that right? <laughs> Glory to God. Did you get anything out of this? God, God wants to take us further. Amen, and he is gonna do it. He is gonna do it because we're gonna go with him. And, and the key thing, if I can just summarize the key thing, you know, the key thing, is come to church hungry and willing to go with God. Come to church hungry every time. Come to church hungry on, on Monday night prayer. Come hungry. Come willing to, to yield whatever. Come willing to participate on Wednesday night. Well, it's just Wednesday night. We're gonna sing one song and then, you know, we're gonna have a teaching and nothing ever happens. Well, there's different kinds of services you know, and we don't need all kinds of services, but I'm telling you what, get not expecting things is the biggest hindrance to God doing what he wants to do. Amen. So come expecting every time. And if it's, and if it's you know, God's plan to just have a, 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 a sort of a normal type of service where nothing unusual happens, well, wonderful. You can still go out changed if your heart is right. You can get something. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.